and welcome to Franchise Paradiso. This is a podcast for lovers of film franchises, because while we all wish more original content was being made, we cannot control major Hollywood studios any more than we can control the weather. So, we will revel in what we are force-fed and dissect our beloved cinematic franchises. My name is Heath Lynch, and I am here with the amazing Foster Harrowfinger. Hey, everybody. And, unfortunately, that's it today. Our spectacular Rowan Wood is out due to a scheduling guffaw with a guest and then trying to reschedule, and it worked for our guest, but then it didn't work for Rowan. We are slightly changing things up, um, going uh, a little bit improv to do an episode that we would have eventually done anyway, but we're just kind of altering the schedule around to make it work now. So what we're going to be doing today is a hybrid of two types of episodes. Uh, at the end of every year, moving forward, we plan to do a year in recap, where we talk about all the f- big franchise films that we loved, that we enjoyed, but also going into every year moving forward, we want to do a preview, what things we're looking forward to, things we're anticipating, or maybe even things that we're not anticipating, that we're not excited about whatsoever. And I thought it'd be a good opportunity to kind of mash those two together. So Foster and I are here to work together today to tag team and take out both of these topics. We're going to be doing a year in review for 2022. Yes, uh, you are not crazy. It is October and we're doing a year in review of a year that ended 10 months ago, but our podcast didn't exist 10 months ago. So we're just doing it now for fun. Uh, Hopefully you'll get to enjoy that as well. We will be previewing 2024, uh, the things that we're excited about, obviously with the caveat of we can only preview what we know exists, what we have heard of, what has been announced. You know, it could be that something comes out uh, next year that's a relevatory big franchise film, but if we just didn't know about it here today on this recording date, well, unfortunately it's going to be missed. So, that's kind of what we're going to go for today, a vibe of the both of these two types of episodes jammed together into one. And we are going to be filming this, filming this, ugh, recording this like a traditional episode. Uh, we're going to nominate things. We're going to work together to come up with top 10 lists. Same thing that we always do. And well, we just hope you enjoy it. Uh, as a, To reiterate our rules, um, we always are talking about franchises. Franchises, we consider any series that has at least three films, whether that's a trilogy of different films or one film that's been remade multiple times. So long as there's three films, we're counting it. Um, And uh, if something is on the way, even if it hasn't been released yet, but we know it's in development or it's even wrapped filming, we're counting that as well. So those are our conditions. And I think uh, this should be fun. Should be a little bit different, but it should be fun. Uh, We're going to have to, as always, collaborate and agree, disagree, and come up with our own definitive top 10 list, and we'll have a good time at it. So, uh, yeah. All right, let's do some quick plugs before we go forward. You can find me, as always, at Letterboxd, F-O-S-T-H-101. I do also have a Twitter, which is private, but I'll friend anybody on there, F-O-S-T-H-101. Where can people find you, Heath? You can find me on Letterboxd as well at the one Heath bar or search Heath Lynch. Either one should be able to find me. And we do also have the franchise Paradiso Instagram as well as uh, the email account franchise Paradiso at gmail.com. So if you wanted to send some, some hate mail our way, you could do it that way. You could heckle us for our, for our, for our hot takes. 
All uh, hate mail this week goes to Rowan. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, I, this week and and every week, to be honest. So oh, that's fair. Uh, totally fair, as it should be. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think that's about, that about covers our, our intro. Are we ready to to move on and start nominating some things? Sure. So yeah, let's do it. Let's start with our year in review segment first. Um, again, this is going to be like our standard episode. We're going to start throwing out options that we want to nominate from our personal top 10 and honorable mention list that we feel are in the conversation for top 10 franchise films of 2022. And uh, I'll start us off with The Batman. Uh, The Batman was a damn good movie by my account. I really enjoyed it. Frankly, as a huge fan of The Dark Knight, uh, of that character, this has kind of been a Batman that I've always wanted to see on the silver screen that we've never gotten before. This is the detective version of Batman. Um, yes, it's often been said already. It's, it was said contemporarily when it was released. Hey, this is kind of just like Fincher's seven, but with Batman. And you know what? I'm totally down for David Fincher's seven with Batman. So that worked for me. Uh, I thought the, it was a great use of the Riddler to make him a more menacing character, but uh, keep it grounded in a world that felt real. The mob angle, the way they made the penguin, I thought uh, the makeup job on uh, the penguin was really great. Colin Farrell really quite literally disappears into the role, both uh, physically and in his performance. And I just found it to be a really enjoyable film. I will acknowledge that the third act kind of drags on a little bit too long, but you know what? It left me in a great mood. I I loved the experience. I thought it was a damn good time. And I'm really looking forward to see more of what Matt Reeves can do in this universe, praying that we'll get Hush as a villain on the silver screen someday. Oh, I had I had this high on my list too. I loved the Batman. I've seen it like three times already, as long as it is. I think it's so good. Uh, It also looks incredible too, just the way it's shot. Um, I will throw out another one that is uh, technically... Not yet a franchise, but is so obviously about to become a huge one. Then that's Glass Onion, uh, yep. because they've already announced that they're going to continue making these for a while. Um, I think that was I the thought, condition of Netflix getting it is that they would get two more, right? I think it was yeah, pretty much th- always slated some, that it was going to be at least three movies. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, I think this is just a lot of fun. I don't like it quite as much as Knives Out, but it's pretty close. Uh, I think Daniel Craig is a perfect detective, uh, like a like a quirky you know, has, has his thing, a silly accent, you know, uh, it's like the perfect modern version of a Poirot or a Sherlock Holmes that we now have for our era, which is really, really cool because I love murder mysteries. I know you do too, Heath. Yep. Um, yeah, this had to be high on my list as well. Yep. Yeah. Murder mysteries, literally my favorite genre of film, uh, which is probably a big reason why I liked this version of the Batman so much as well. Cause it, in many ways it was a murder mystery. Um, but uh, yeah, Glass Onion was fantastic. Very high on my list as well. I found it very enjoyable. What I thought was most impressive is it still feels very in the universe of Knives Out, but Glass Onion feels very distinct in terms of its story, in terms of the way it's constructed and told. Essentially, we get the same story twice, but from you have a different perspective on it because of additional knowledge going a second time through and all that. Uh, it just made it such a fun experience. I do agree. I think Knives Out is better, but Glass Onion is a damn fine time. I am going to move on to my next nomination, which is Prey. Uh, I love the Predator movies. Predator is one of my favorite franchises. And although it might sound blasphemous to some, I genuinely think Prey is the best Predator movie that's ever been made, even better than the original. Um, And I say that as someone that absolutely loves 
the original Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I've seen it literally dozens of times. Um, but I think Prey is exceptional. I've watched it twice within the first week that it came out. I still want to go back and watch it in uh, the native language dub that they did. Uh, what? What? I don't want to get it wrong. What was the language? I was just gonna. I was just gonna ask you to. I have no idea. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna say in a Native American tribe name because I don't want to get it wrong and potentially offend anyone. But I think that's really cool that they even had that as an option. But just the way this was constructed, it felt like a, a grounded kind of bringing the franchise back to its roots, back to basics, making it horror, making it scary, but still having intense action. A great central performance from Amanda Midthummer, Midthummer, Midthunder, uh, who uh, just is a really strong uh, final girl, but uh, with agency behind her. It's Comanche. That's correct. Thank you, uh, Foster, for looking that up. Um, So, yes, uh, Prey is up there for me really high. Yeah, I, I liked the second half of this movie a ton. The first half took me a bit to get into just because there's just a little bit of a disconnect seeing people speak like English and and it felt not just the language, but like the words they were saying just felt like they were written by someone from our time. And so it just, yeah. I always have like a little bit of a disconnect with that. Um, and I also didn't love the, I think there's a bear that was like computer generated that I yeah, remember in the, the middle CG of the movie. Yeah that took me out of the movie too. Cause I could, I couldn't feel that. I'm sure it was like well-crafted and everything, but I couldn't feel the tension. Cause I just didn't really believe it was a real bear. That's just a me thing. I, it's just like one of those things that I'm super sensitive to in movies, but I can see that. And I think that they, my counter to that, not like a full on pushback because I totally agree what you're saying, but I think that was interesting that in that scene, I think they knew the limitations of their budget and the CG that they could put mm-hmm. into it. Because if you remember, I thought a lot of that was very conveniently shot that, she was like hiding in a dam of sticks. So you couldn't even really see the bear the whole time, especially when the predator started fighting the bear. So I thought that mm-hmm. was very interesting as a way to try to mitigate that. But yes, you are correct. The The initial fight with that bear before I think she hides in the sticks looks a little... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be fair, I also haven't rewatched it since it came out. I, I should rewatch it again. And I did love the second half. So good. Um, I also just in my head, I compare it to Apocalypto, which I think is like an incredible <laughs> movie and feels like it feels super authentic. I know it's not actually like perfect. Uh, and I think the the spoken language, like for people who actually know that language, apparently it's not quite accurate. But I'm just comp- I had seen it so recently. And, and sure. uh, man, it was just the comparison. OK, I'm also going to shout out Scream. Uh, the, yeah. the fifth Scream movie I think is just a lot of fun. Um, it's probably my second favorite Scream movie. Um, I waffle I actually, between second and third. Yeah. Do you know what I waffle between? I walk waffle between now the fourth and the fifth. I really like the fourth one just because I love the like goofy, you know, two thousand tens ish energy. Uh, just because <laughs> that's ki- kind of when I was in in middle high school. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but uh, I, I like that one a lot. Okay, the nice. fifth one is really cool. I think it did a decent job of, of modernizing the franchise. It's not quite Wes Craven, like the the scares don't work perfectly, but I think the movie knows yeah. it, and it's also pretty self-aware. Like, I like the way they kind of tease that a kill is about to happen, and then you're, like, kind of on the edge, and it's like you're sort of in on the joke. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, especially the scene with the Wes character as a tribute to Wes Craven. They named the character exactly. Wes. When he's like walking around his kitchen and stuff, and it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm holding up on the refrigerator door. Something's behind there. Ah, oh, we close the door. Nothing's there. And they do that like fake out like three times. Like they just know they're fucking with the audience. And anyone who's a fan of horror, especially Scream, 
should know. Like, that's just a gas. It makes me giggle. I, I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah, or like at the end when um, I'm completely blanking on her name. She's sitting on the sofa and she's watching the the first like stab movie or something like that. And she's oh, in, right. in the movie, Jamie, look behind you. No, look behind you. And then we're yeah. saying, no, look behind. It's like layers upon layers. It's just so fun. It is. It really is. Yeah, I waffle back and forth between that. And I actually really loved Scream 6. But that will be for next year's review. We'll get to talk about that one. But yeah, Scream 2022, Scream 5. Five cream, uh, whatever we want to call it, it was damn a damn good one. I'm gonna do two back to back because they're related uh, wholeheartedly. I'm sure you know which ones I'm talking about, and that's X and Pearl. Um, yeah, these are both great. <laughs> I have no other way to say it than they're both great and instantly a franchise because they were filming X. Ty West was loving what he was getting, and he's like, "Yeah, no, we're just gonna make a prequel." And we'll release it the same year, just like six months later. I don't even know if it was six. It might have even been four or five. And then they're like, yeah, no, we're just going to keep going. Uh, Maxine, which we might talk about later in this episode, should be coming out in 2024. Wink, wink. Um, But yeah, X and Pearl are both in consideration for me. Personally, I prefer X from an enjoyability and watchability standpoint. I just find X to be more my vibe in that way. I think Pearl is the better movie, though. Uh, I think Mia Goth is doing way more there and is given more to do. Um, But they both kind of just have different tones. I almost said playful tones. These are not playful movies. But, like, there is almost a weird playfulness to it. You know, in X, when they're doing parodies of 70s porn. uh, And in Pearl, just, like, the Panavision, Technicolor kind of vibe of everything. It's just... It's so fun, both of these movies. If you like slasher horrors, we've talked about them a lot in our regular horror season episodes. Um, but yeah, both X and Pearl, I think, are worthy of consideration here. I'm going to throw out uh, a kind of a shift from what you normally think of when you think of franchises, but Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is this was just... On my list. Yep. I mean... I was going to say it's the best Pinocchio I've seen, but I've only seen two Pinocchio movies, and that's one of them. <laughs> well, so way it's, more it's, than that, and trust me, this is way up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I love Guillermo del Toro, and I really, really love stop motion. It's pretty much impossible for me to give a stop motion movie anything less than like a 6 out of 10, just because I just I, I appreciate it so much, and I think it's just the coolest medium in the world. Um, I think the music is actually really good, and... I've listened to some of those songs again, and I think it's very meaningful. And I like that it sort of transitions from being about Pinocchio to being about Geppetto. And I think David Bradley's voice performance is so good in that in that movie. Um, I also, this is just a cool thing because I live in New York. The MoMA was doing a little exhibit on Guillermo mm-hmm. del Toro's Pinocchio, and they showed a whole bunch of the little stop motion figurines. And uh, that was really cool to see in person, too, because then you just get a whole other level of appreciation for what they accomplished. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really did like it. Uh, I I think it's kind of interesting. You mentioned the Geppetto-ness of it all. I think this is Geppetto's story. I think this is the only version of the Pinocchio story that I've seen where this is Geppetto's story. And I think that adds a lot more weight to it. And I like the music. Ciao, Papa is just, oh, breaks my heart in the best way. Plus, who doesn't love fascism in Italy? That's sarcasm, by the way. Uh, we we hate that, uh, but I, I that setting for the story is is uh, 
Wow, yeah. Uh, I'm going to mention another one here that is probably not going to be on a lot of people's radar, and that's Confess Fletch. Uh, so in the 80s, there was a duology of films, Fletch and I think Fletch Lives, star Chevy Chase. He was a, a detective, a cop that was way smarter than those around him, caught up in shady dealings and whatnot. And it, it was just simple detective story, but it's Chevy Chase as a detective story. So they were much more comedic in nature. They're totally fine movies. Uh, I enjoy the first one. Nothing to write home about, but like entertaining. But here we are, for, for whatever reason, decades later, we randomly get a third movie called Confess Fletch, and it stars John Hamm now as the titular Fletch lead character. Um, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's really good. I, I take it back. I'm now remembering it even better. I don't think he's a detective. I think he's an investigative reporter working for like a newspaper or something. He works hand in hand with the local police. But he, uh, still kind of the same premise principal he's out there doing detective work he's just a local reporter um in fact i think even in the new one he has lost his job at a local paper because papers are going out of style out of business to the internet and that leads a whole new dynamic for him but yeah this is a real fun mystery if you like mysteries like we were talking about early, earlier this is great it's absolutely hilarious as well i was laughing my ass off john ham is giving a great performance um, so if this sounds up your alley, I know not many people have seen this, probably not many people have even heard of this, um, based off of, you know, the review, the review numbers I've seen or the view counts even on like letterboxd, but look this up, uh, give this a shot. If that sounds interesting to you, confess Fletch, it's really good. I have not seen this movie. It is like every other movie I haven't seen. It's on the list. <laughs> yep. There you go. Throw it on the yep. list. It'll, we'll get yep. to it eventually. <laughs> Sticking with my animation theme, I'm also going to mention Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which is probably sure. one of the biggest surprises of last year, just as a whole. Uh, I really, really love the animation style of this. I think it's super cool. It's obviously now that Spider-Verse is a thing, movies or animated movies feel more free to experiment with the styles, which I think is uh, like one needed. of the rare examples. <laughs> one of the, Say that again? Needed. Needed. Much needed. That experimentation yes, yes, yes. of style. Yes. It's um, one of the rare examples, I think, of like studio heads actually taking the right message from a movie for a change, which is just cool to see that to see it implemented. And I think the voice performances are great. It's very meaningful and emotional. It doesn't like, I don't know, it's not the most groundbreaking story or anything. It's just one of those ones that's overwhelmingly pleasant, I think, to watch. Uh, I especially love Harvey Guillen as the as the cat, I think. Mm -hmm. Not the cat. He's a dog. I'm sorry. The cat is Puss in Boots, of course. Um, and uh, he just wants to be a part of team friendship. So, And Antonio Banderas, by the way, is still crushing it in that voice performance. Mm -hmm. He's still great. Um, but yeah, I, I love this wave of, I want to call it like graphic novel animation. There's just more depth mm -hmm. to it. There's more richness, uh, most notably well-known in Spider-Verse, but in Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. And I would even see in, say in the recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Kind of a mm -hmm. same similar uh, stylization to it, and man, it's it's so great when we've pretty much everything has been like Disney Pixarified for the last fifteen years. Uh, so, mm -hmm. and I say that as someone who loves Pixar, by the way, it's just nice to have something new. Um, I am going to name one that you probably don't even think of as a franchise, but it is technically a franchise, and that's All Quiet on the Western Front. 
uh, All Quiet on the Western Front famously uh, is considered the original one, one of the greatest films ever, based off of a very popular but horrifying book of the same name based off of the German experience during World War I. It has been remade a couple times, most recently now, here in 2022. And this is, I believe, the third time it's been made, making it a franchise at this point. Although it's never going to be a franchise in the traditional sense that we're going to get new stories. It's always going to be the same story. And that story is always terrifying and harrowing and horrible. And that's kind of the point. It is, uh, war is awful, war is hell, and you get to see it here front and center. Uh, I love that this, I love the cinematography in this. I love the editing. I hate the original score. I can't believe that this won the Oscar for that. That's blah, 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 like <laughs> techno thing that doesn't remotely fit the era or the, the style of the film. I just, that will always bewilder me that Babylon didn't win, but that's a separate conversation. Um, but uh, outside of the original score, I really enjoy this film. Uh, I Again, enjoy is a weird word given the context, but it's a, a great work of art and I think uh, it should be considered. I was just waiting for you to mention the score. Because <laughs> I know, I know how much you'll... We were messaging on Oscar night. Like, I can't believe this thing won. <laughs> I, so, okay, so I kind of actually liked the, the music. I thought it was an interesting choice. I just... It, it's just not... Babylon is yeah I mean, Babylon like, one. it's just like it's so stupid like when you hear them next to each other it's like it won based on three notes so yep, it did. <laughs> anyways I, I didn't I actually didn't love this movie as much I didn't even put it in my my top 10 here when I was prepping uh just because I watched the original one and this one uh, not back to back but really close to each other and sure. the comparison is just like the original it's one yeah. the came original. out in like the 30s like early 30s i think it's incredible and it's so insanely impressive all the effects that they had back then and it's really emotional too and then this one while like modernized and has great cinematography and technicals are like off the chain it's just didn't make me feel much of anything yeah 1930 you said thank you um so i didn't have it quite as high but it is still a, yeah. like technically a good movie by all accounts yeah, and uh, that's why uh, it's on my list. It, it's not like yeah. one of my favorites. It's not something I'm going back to all the time. But if we're, if we're talking a quality film, I, I I think it has to be in consideration. Yeah, I'm well, gonna so I'm gonna throw out Avatar: The Way of Water, which is ah, not, I knew it was coming is, eventually. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. It's the third highest grossing movie of all time. So now James Cameron has three out of the top four highest grossing movies of all time, which is just Gross. ridiculous. Um. And I liked this one a lot more than the first one, which I have never really liked. I saw it in the theater when I was pretty young and I didn't love it then. And I didn't really get what the whole fuss was about. And I rewatched it again in a the theater in IMAX, the original one. They were doing a re-release like a few weeks before. And I still don't love it. It just doesn't do much for me. But I really, really liked That's this the one. Correct I think, opinion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think the visuals in this are like absolutely stupid they're so good like like i can't even i'm just like staring at the water and i'm staring at their skin and i'm staring at their hair and i'm just like how is this not real like it is it's it's got to be like the best cgi of all time i can't really yes. think of a competition um i think the story also i connect with just like 20 times more in this than i did in the first one so it has to be on the list 
Yeah, I uh, I was hoping we'd get by without this, but I <laughs> I told I'm I'm like the, the this is my all quiet on the Western Front to you. Like it mm-hmm. it's just I get it. Like it is a quality film. A lot of people loved it. There's a lot of great things to tout about this film, but it's just not for me. I I think it is a step up from the first one. I think the first one is that narrative is just there's there's nothing there's nothing there and I think you're almost fooling yourself if you think that there is it's just I think the first one is a a showcase of a brand new technology improvement and it was damn good and that's about it and James Cameron doped a lot of people into spending a crap ton of money to just see things in really good 3D and some really great CGI but I never had an affinity for that first film. I didn't care for the spectacle of it. And the story is just lackluster. This one is better. I think this one actually has an original story. The first one doesn't remotely, but even still this one's story apes from itself of the first one, which I find weird, especially it's inability to relinquish the villain of the first film. I find even more weird given how that fil- villain's time ended in the first film. I also, I, I'm sorry, the movies don't need to be this long. It, it, there's more to editing than just cutting scenes together. It's also a runtime thing. And there's not enough depth to this to justify that runtime. With that said, that is one of the coolest whales ever. These sea <laughs> creatures are dope. The fights look awesome. There is more emotionality to this than the original. And yes, I would agree. I think definitively these are the best visual effects that have literally ever been put in any film ever. So I get it. I just, it's not on my top 10. We'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) But what is on my top 10 is Jackass forever. So (laughs) uh, Jackass forever. I, this is one of those things where, is this a quality film? No, none of the Jackasses are quality film, even down to the editing, which is like the only thing you can maybe judge something like this about is usually not even the best. But in terms of entertainment, sheer, pure entertainment, this is great for me. Um, Now, I will say Jackass Forever is a bit lower for me compared to the earlier ones, and that's because the cast has drastically shifted because it needed to. Um, You know, unfortunately, Ryan Dunn tragically died. Bam Margera really lost himself after the death of Dunn, who was his best friend and has been struggling uh, with addiction of multiple kinds ever since. And he was not okay to be a part of the team anymore. And a lot of the guys that are still around are old. They're in their fifties. They, you know, their bodies physically can't be doing some of the stuff that they're doing. So they're only there doing like one or two skits and then they're done. And, you know, they just sit around in the background and in some regard, I appreciate the, the changing of the torch and bringing in new blood. I love that there's actually colored people here. There's a, black guy. I love that there's a girl here. Like they're actually diversifying their cast, bringing in different perspectives. I think that's great. Uh, but something about the chemistry of the original group was a big part of what made it fun for me. Um, but still even that in and of itself, you could say is getting way too into it when you're talking about a movie that's about hitting people in the balls. So, um, in that regard, yeah, I just, I have fun watching these. I think they're entertaining. I, I get to laugh and damn it. Sometimes you just need to laugh, especially in 2022 after we came out of the pandemic and all that crap. It was just like, I need a movie like this that lets me turn my brain off and have fun. So 
I'm including Jackass Forever as a nominee. (laughs) (laughs) This is another one that I haven't seen. But another one I have seen, just all about the good segues today. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I liked more than most people. Um, Nice, on my honorable mentions. It's probably not in the top half of Marvel movies, but I like it because I like Sam Raimi, and I am a shill for anything he does, and I think (laughs) that he works some magic with the camera in this movie, even in spite of the kind of wonky script. Um, I think like even in the trailer, you can just tell it just looks better than like pretty much every other Marvel movie aside from like the Guardians movies. I mean, even even like uh, just comparing Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, which had just come out like only a few months before. Yeah, that's more satisfying from a story level and character level. But I think um, just look at Doctor Strange and the way he's framed in No Way Home. And it looks almost like a sitcom, like the color mm-hmm. grading is dull and washed out. The camera is just like sat still like a rectangle to have him fit perfectly in it with no creativity whatsoever versus like Raimi's just like spinning the camera around and doing all sorts of Dutch things. angles like, for days <laughs> yeah not well not just Dutch angles but like the 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 fact that the camera is fluid you know like sure. he doesn't he doesn't just want the camera to sit still the camera is itself a character in all of his movies um he's one of my favorite directors like one of my favorite visual directors in particular and um I love the horror flair he also adds here I think uh, that uh, Elizabeth Olsen is really, really good in this, actually, even though, yeah, it's a departure from WandaVision, but I really don't care. Um, (laughs) And I like the, yeah, I like the uh, zombie, zombie Doctor Strange stuff at the end, too. It works for me. And there's a music note battle. So how can you complain? The the orchestral music note battle is dope. I, I do care about the WandaVision thing. That was one of the biggest things that held me back is this completely destroys all of her character growth in WandaVision, which WandaVision, I think, is an infinitely more well-done property than Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Not that WandaVision's perfect either. It certainly has its problems. But I I do like this a lot. Of the Phase 4 movies, this was one of my favorite ones. Um, And it goes back to what you were saying, is this is a horror film. This is the first MCU horror film. Um, And I specifically love the scene where... Wanda is chasing them through like the sewers and she's got blood and oil from the robots that she's killed, uh, dripping down her face. And she's like kind of limping along like a zombie almost. And that scene is just like, Oh, this is awesome. We'd never get stuff like this in the MCU. Cause we're always so chipper and happy and making sly jokes and la la la. Um, so I, I really, I like that Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness actually took chances, which is something that many of the films in the MCU don't. Now, it didn't work for a lot of people, and I get that, but it's it worked for me more than it didn't. Let's say that. Um, I am already down to my honorable mentions, uh, so I will I think I actually only have one more now that I look at my list. And that's staying in the MCU. That's Werewolf by Night. So I'm nominating a short film, a special presentation. I think that's the first one we've ever done as a uh, ever short film we've ever talked about. Um, But I think Werewolf by Night is genuinely great. Um, I think it's incredibly creative and original for the MCU. It's really the only time they've ever taken kind of a risk like this, where it's not just that it's a short film, it's that we're not having any of our traditional characters, like none of the big names were in here for the first time in forever in, in terms of MCU terms. Uh, it's black and white cinematography. It's shot and edited in many ways, like an old universal monsters horror movie. And they let Michael Giacchini or Giacchino 
uh, direct this, who is an amazing composer. He's actually one of my favorite that is working today. And he does a good job here directing, like genuinely impressive work. Uh, so I really like this. I don't know if we'll ever see these characters again. I don't know if anything that happened here will ever actually tie into the larger MCU. And even if it doesn't, I'm kind of okay with it because for this one-off, you know, 50-minute short, I really enjoyed it and had a good time. Yeah, maybe we should also talk about the other special, which is the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special that came out, which I also liked that. Um, sure. I I probably slightly prefer Werewolf by Night, but I think that uh, the Guardians, I feel like it's just a good time when you watch it. It's nothing really all that deep. The one thing about it that really made me mad, though, uh, Kevin Bacon they have in that special, and the whole first movie talks about how much Peter Quill loves Footloose and Kevin Bacon, and there's even the dance battle at the end. Yeah. Why wasn't the end of the Guardians holiday special dancing? Why did they make it just Kevin Bacon like sings a song? Like you have him, the guy from Footloose, interacting with Peter Quill who loves yeah. to dance and you don't have the big like holiday bash at the end to have like a little dance off or something. That was so weird to me. I was like, surely they're going to do that. It's like such an easy win for them. I don't it, know. So that made me angry. <laughs> Thought I'd share. <laughs> angry. Uh, my exactly. only guess is that the only reason that they didn't do that is because six months later, James Gunn gave us Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 or Volume 3, and that ends with a giant dance number. So I, he probably knew he was already doing that. And when they danced to the dog days are over uh, at the end of that movie. So my guess is just to have a little bit different vibe between the ending of the special and this. Although, yeah, I agree. Uh, we need more Kevin Bacon dancing just in the world in general. It's probably a good idea. <laughs> it would probably just help. We, we could go for more of that. Uh, I don't have anything else that I want to denominate. Do you have anything else? Yeah, I had a few. Okay, I've been withholding this one, which is secretly higher than you would think on my top ten. But Halloween ends, of course, because of I'm course. I'm the I'm the one who likes that movie. <laughs> I will I won't say anything more about it. I won't push hard for it because on our Halloween episode, which uh, may or may not be coming out soon, I don't know if that's a spoiler. A spoiler. Maybe I shouldn't have revealed that just yet. Ooh, spooky, but uh, I, I talk about it quite a bit on there. Um, mm -hmm. Also, honorable You've mentions didn't yeah uh, d didn't make my top ten, but uh, Terrifier two I do think is is a lot of fun. Um, I think Clerks three is worth mentioning, uh, just from the viewers universe, the whole Kevin Kevin Smith world. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a great movie, nor would I really call any of Kevin Smith's movies in the past ten years great. But they it they have like a like a warmth to them because you know, we like Kevin Smith and we like seeing him do his thing with his friends. And so I think this one uh, works more than most of them uh, at making you emotional, you know, because it's like a, it's years later, same cast. And uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a good time if you like the rest of them. Did you, did you get to Clerks 3 yet? I know you I have not gotten to Clerks 3. I, oh, Kevin Smith. I really like early Kevin Smith a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, Clerks, Dogma, are some of my favorite movies. Um, I really enjoy rewatching Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Like it's not good, but it's in entertaining as hell. But I don't know, man. I I will get to Clerks three eventually. I'll just say that it is on the list, and uh, I would love to get to the point where I could really look forward to 
Kevin Smith movies again. But the last Smith movie I saw was James Highland Bob, the reboot. And I'm just like, okay, I'll get to Clerks 3 eventually. <laughs> so I'll say this is like 10 times better than, than the Jane Silent Bob reboot. Um, okay. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as like Clerks 1 or 2, but I think it's 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 better than his last few movies, I'll say. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I would also shout out Wakanda Forever, which I don't think is perfect, but I think is pretty good, especially given all that it had working against it with yeah. you know not having the lead of the previous film to, to work with in this movie. So... I think all things considered, they did a pretty decent job. And then my last honorable mention is Hellraiser, the one directed by David Bruckner, which I think is a pretty solid movie. Um, it's it is a has a little bit too much setup, I think, in like the first hour, and the characters are just not super likable. But once it mm-hmm. actually gets to the horror stuff, like in the last third, especially, I think it's actually really, really, really cool. And then I think they did Pinhead Justice too. So all of that I loved. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, Hellraiser 2022 is still on my list. And Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, I there's some stuff I really love about that film, and there's other stuff that I think is just incredibly flawed. And uh, it didn't even make an honorable mention for me because of that. I know some people really love it, and if you do, that's great. But, man, that, that movie has a lot, of, a lot of structural issues that are at no fault of the real-world issues that cause those structural issues it's just unfortunate that things worked out the way they did but that doesn't mean we needed to jam other storylines and things in here that were completely superfluous and not necessary but that's a separate conversation so all right we have all our nominees we found all the pieces to the puzzle let's put the picture together we're going to rank our top 10 favorite franchise films from 2022 uh same way that we always do this. Let's just start uh, working together, putting the pieces together. Foster, who do you think are, are, are guaranteed move forwards? I would say the Batman, Glass Onion Scream. should probably go for sure. I would say Scream. I would say X and Pearl. I would say Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like Prey to get there. I genuinely think Prey belongs in a top I'm fine three. with that. Um, I I would like Puss in Boots to be on there. Yeah, I'm fine with Puss in Boots. I I would lo- I genuinely think Confess Fletch belongs, but you haven't seen it, and I would guess most people haven't seen it. Um, so if we could consider that, I'd be fine with it even making just a ten slot just to make it. But yeah, push it push it forward for now. I okay. I really think Avatar should be pushed forward. Yeah, um, I don't want it to, but I agree it probably should. <laughs> um. And that already puts... What does that put us that at? That is 10. That is 10. Yeah. I don't have any others that I need to make the top the, 10. I'm good with that being our 10 if you are. I, I think All Quiet should be considered. Okay. Um, and I'm fine with leaving the rest of them off. I, it was, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, the MCU is not quite where it needs to be these days. And I think that shows in the fact that, like, we kind of appreciated these but weren't enthusiastic. And, you know, the others are like, Halloween ends and jackass, you know, like we're not talking Mm -hmm. the cream of the crop. So, um, of the 11 that we have, what would we cut? I would cut all quiet on the Western front, but that's just me, man. (laughs) (sighs) I mean, you'd cut avatar, right? I would cut avatar. (laughs) It's crazy. We're talking cutting best picture nominated films, by the way, (laughs) like looking at, confess fletch or anything else um what but would, you, I, what would your it's crazy because i do think confess fletch is 
better. So, what would your next one you kick off be after after Avatar? I would say probably Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Okay. Um, how many on this list did you not have in your top ten? Which ones? I did. I did not have Puss in Boots, and I did not have Avatar. But I like okay. Puss in Boots more than Avatar, so I'd rather keep Puss in Boots over Avatar. Okay, so then this is what I'm going to say. There are three movies in this list that were not in my top ten, so I'm thinking now maybe the burden is on you to kick one of them out. I did not okay. have Prey, Confess Fletch, or All Quiet in my top ten. Well, if it's got to be one of those three, then I am going to axe All Quiet because <laughs> okay. I'm not getting rid of it. <laughs> I, I genuinely think as a franchise, Confess Fletch is better, and Prey is one of the best action movies we've gotten in a damn long okay. time, and I'm not getting rid of that. That ranked, okay. that ranked number three for me. So, all right. Um, so we've got our 10 then. Let's start ranking them. What would be our bottom? Uh, again, I'm fine with putting Confess Fletch here if we need to, just as a thank you for letting me have my toy. Um, I think it should be Avatar though, but I'm fine with Confess Fletch. You let me know. I'm totally cool either way. Maybe just do Confess Fletch since that's the only one I haven't seen on here, so I couldn't sure. say. And I, I, I do really like Avatar, so I think I'd probably still put Avatar slightly above it. Then Avatar okay. can be number nine, I guess. Cool, good with that. Uh, what would you put next? For uh, me, I, mean, would... I would put. Go ahead. I would put Prey, but um, I know you have that really high. Yeah. Where did you have Puss in Boots? I had it at number four. Oh, you had it high. And where do you have Pinocchio? Uh, number nine. So we can do we can do Pinocchio next. Yeah, I'd be fine. I had Pinocchio at nine as well, so that works. Do you want to do um, Pinocchio at right, so Pinocchio, Pinocchio at, eight. at eight? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Do you want to do um maybe to get our two ones that are just our individual ones we love out of the way? Pray yeah. Puss and Boots as the next two. Yeah, I think that's fair because the others were in agreement on. Um, I I definitely like Prey more than Puss and Boots, but. I think the consensus is that Puss in Boots is beloved by many, and I'd be yeah. fine with putting Puss in Boots higher. So Yes, and it also, yours is then sandwiched in between my two picks like that. Um, All right, so we got so Prey at seven, Puss in Boots at six, and that gives us X, Pearl, Screen, Glass Onion, and the Batman. What do you want to do next? Probably the three horror movies would go next for me, either Scream X or Pearl. Which is the lowest for you? So here's the thing. I almost can't think of X without Pearl and Pearl without X. To me, they are mm -hmm. a back-to-back. -back. I would put X higher. I know. I think I'm in the minority there, and most people would put Pearl higher. But I'm kind of indifferent. But because I think of them as one, which maybe isn't fair to Scream, but I do, I think of them as one, I would put Scream lower. Because the X-Pearl experience... And again, I know that's not necessarily fair. They are two separate movies, but because they came out in the same year, so damn close to each other, I, I can't separate them in my mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, I do like Scream more than those two, but I'm also fine with putting it at number five. It's not, they were like almost right next to each other on my list. Yeah. Uh, if you're cool with it, I'd prefer the, the X-Pearl higher. Yep, so Scream at number five. Scream at five. And then... Yep, scream at five, and then uh, do you want extra pearl higher since you gave me scream below it? 
I'll give it to you either way. So these are very close for me. I would put Pearl ever so slightly higher, mainly okay. just for Mia Goth's performance. Like as a movie, I actually agree with you. I like X more. It's way more fun to watch. And yeah, but it I think like, X is just more fun to watch, but Mia Goth is just next level. Awesome. And it's, Pearl. it's just like, it's like hard to overstate. It's like one of the best performances that's ever been on the screen. It's just hard for me not to put it higher. Sure. And okay, then we and got then Glass Onion and Batman. We're saying the same exact things. Glass Onion at number two probably is what you would put. And then Batman yep. at number one. Is that where we're headed? That's what I would have if you're on board. Or which one did you have higher? Yeah, I had Batman at number one, of course. Okay. Boom, baby. Is that what you had too? Yeah, I had Batman at number my. I think okay. Batman was like my number three <laughs> film of the year. Like, period. It was my number two. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Now I'm going to check. Now I'm... Now we go to Letterboxd and we find out. <laughs> I'm curious. I know I had everything everywhere all at once as my number one. And I don't know if Banshees of Inishira made... Nope. Batman was my number two. Banshees was my number three. Yep. There we go. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of Banshees and stuff. So before I do the rundown of the top 10, we are going to do special shout outs of non-franchise films from 2022 that we loved. I think we'll just kind of rattle these. Um, Foster, why don't you go first? Uh, any non-franchise films from 2022 that you really love that you think are worth people's attention? I'm sure a lot of us already know some of the ones we're going to mention because it's been a year and a half since that year started. And uh, we've already had the Oscars, so we already kind of know the big movies. But still, what did you really love, Foster? Uh, my favorite movie of the year was The Fablemans. Uh, it means quite a bit to me that movie actually if you are passionate about film in any way i can't imagine how you can watch that movie and not realize what a gift it is to have like the greatest director of all time in my opinion uh making a movie like about his childhood that's just so incredible that we even have this document and it's just so great uh other movies i loved i'll rattle these off quicker everything everywhere all at once barbarian is like just the most insane fun horror movie nope rrr tar the northman turning red Top Gun Maverick, which feels like it's a franchise movie, but it is really not yet because there's only yeah. two. Yeah. And a uh, real random one, just because it's almost a franchise movie. This is nowhere near as high as the others for me. But Orphan First Kill is a really uh, <laughs> stupid but very fun movie that when I was making my franchise list, I was like, that should make our franchise list. But then it's not a franchise. So even though it's not as high as the others, I just had to mention yeah. it. 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 I got to say, as an aside... I had Top Gun Maverick in my list because I was like, oh, it's a franchise, right? And then I was like, no, it's not. There's only two. It feels like it's a franchise, which is crazy that it has that weight to the name and the gravitas. But yeah, uh, mine, Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, was easily my favorite film of the year. I am, I am a plebe that loved that just as much as everyone else did. But at the same time, I genuinely think it's one of the best. I, I think it's so entertaining. Uh, to rattle off the rest, uh, The Banshees of Inishirin, the menu, yes, the menu kind of hits you with the blunt force of a brick to the head with its message. But you know what? I love that message, so screw it. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, uh, Tar. I think Tar is beautiful. Uh, sad that that didn't. I don't think that got a single single Oscar. Uh, kind of breaks my heart. Uh, weird. The yeah, the Al Yankovic story. Uh, I think that movie's hilarious. R R R. Uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, I think, is a beautiful, wholesome film. And uh, After Sun. Those are my yeah. special shout outs. So, uh, and now let's uh, actually do our top 10 list. So, our top 10 films 
from 2022, top 10 franchise films from 2022. This is our uh, definitive best of list. You know, it's entirely correct. No one has ever made a better list, yada, yada, yada. Number 10, Confess Fletch. Number 9, Avatar The Way of Water. Number 8, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Number 7, Prey. Number 6, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Number 5, Scream. Number 4, X. Number 3, Pearl. Number 2, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. I hate that subtitle. Number (laughs) 1, The Batman. Woohoo! Claps. Applause. Yay, applause, much congratulations. And uh, so that is 2022. Let's look ahead now to 2024. So this is gonna, we're going to jump into the second half of this and kind of look at what we're excited about. Uh, again, this is very much based off of what we know now, what has been announced, what is on the calendar. Um, so things could change. Some of these movies might not even end up being released in 2024. They might get delayed till 2025. They, who knows what's going to happen, but based off of what we know at this point in time, here's what we're excited about. Uh, let's start nominating and I will start with, I think a pretty damn obvious, easy one. Cause it was supposed to come out. What? Like a, a week ago, <laughs> Do we, <laughs> Dune part two, <laughs> uh, Dune part two, uh, I think is easily, easily going to be high on a lot of people's most anticipated list because we've already been excited for it because Dune was so incredible and now we got blue balls waiting for the second one because of the writers and uh, Screen Actors Guild strike. So uh, I don't really even have much to say. The first film is just incredible and I want to see the end of the story. It's that simple. Uh, Yes, this does, by the way, count as a trilogy. David Lynch made a Dune movie in the 80s, so this will be the third one. So uh, Dune Part 2, easy for me. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be the first one I mentioned, of course. <laughs> uh, another one that uh, I I mean, it's listed to come out in 2024. We've not really heard anything about it, so I'm assuming it'll still come out in 2024. Furiosa, George Miller's yeah. movie with Anya Taylor-Joy. That does seem like kind of a thing a kind of movie that would get pushed back like a million times over. I feel like it already has been, but um, I mean, I don't know how you can not be excited for this when uh, he did, you know, Mad Max Fury Road was his last entry in this franchise, mm-hmm. which is like, just like a stupid good movie. Um, it's incredible. I, I think they did. I saw, I think I saw somewhere that they did wrap filming of this. So like it should in theory happen next year. Um just depends on how long they're going to take to edit however many hours of footage he shot. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Furiosa is definitely high on my list as well. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road is one of my favorite films of all time. It's just mind-blowing how damn good that action film is. Um, and so I, of course, want to see this. Even if it is a prequel and it will suffer from a little bit of prequelitis and will lose a little bit of tension, uh, I don't care. I want it. <laughs> uh <laughs> Number uh, the third one I'll mention. Let's go with uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part Two. Um, yeah, I, I really like the Mission Impossible series. I would say ever since four, ever since Ghost Protocol, this franchise has just been electric to me. It crackles, and it just makes for such an enjoyable experience all the time. Uh, I will say Dead Reckoning Part One. 
isn't like my favorite. It's not like they blew themselves out of the water. I think Fallout is still the best of the franchise, but Dead Reckoning Part 1 was still a lot of fun. And the story's not over. Um, so I want to see where it ends up. I want to see how we get to that resolution. Uh, I, I want to almost see if they're going to make a more definitive stamp on things. And, you know, are we going to get more after this? Uh, more Mission Impossibles? If we do, is Tom Cruise still going to be a part of it? Is he passing the mantle? I think we're, we have a lot of questions, and this movie has the potential to give us a lot of answers. So uh, I'm really excited for it. I'm going to shout out Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes for my next one. Nice. I think the the trilogy that just came out this past 10 years is really good, like m- way more good than it has any right to be. Yep. Uh, especially Dawn and War. Rise, I think, is good, but not quite as good as the other two, just from a stylistic standpoint, because Matt Reeves didn't direct that first one. Uh, yep. But yeah, I mean, Andy Serkis is the man. The visual effects are... We were talking about Avatar being the greatest CGI ever. I would say, like, to be honest, an easy number two might be War for me, the third one of this, because that's when they really perfected it. That orangutan looks like uh, just like the most incredible thing I've ever seen. You just feel the tufts of fur on it, and I... It, my brain does not compute that it's not real. It's It just breaks my brain. Uh, I think these movies are really cool, and I'm excited to see that there's going to be more. Yeah, Dawn is uh, one of my favorite. As a side note, I really hate the sequencing of those titles. Dawn should have come before Rise, if you're going to use those words, because <laughs> <laughs> Dawn happens before that. But the fact that it's Rise and then Dawn, that always bothered me. Regardless, uh, I, Dawn is one of my favorite action films ever. I think it's incredible. And I think the performance Andy Serkis is giving there is just astounding. Um, so I I liked Rise, but ever since Dawn, like you and Matt Reeves took over, I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, I'm in for, for whatever. Um, so I, I don't think Reeves is doing Kingdom, is he? No. Yeah, this not. is someone else. But you know what? I've, I'm so invested in the story at this point uh, that I don't care. And I want to see it. Uh, here's another one for me. Uh, and that's the Lord of the Rings, the war of the Rohirrim. I, I don't even know if we know much about this. And uh, even if I didn't even know the title, I don't even think I'd care. This would still rank high for me, uh, because it's the Lord of the Rings. It's the Hobbit, it's middle earth. And I am such a fan of this franchise of this property that I can't not be invested. I mean, I, I think I saw return of the King like three times in theaters the week it opened back in 2003. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's not a short movie as we all know. So like, this has just been something that I've always been a massive fan of. And anytime they want to tell me more stories in this world, that is one of the most fully realized creative original worlds ever put to film. I want to be there. So, uh, that is, definitely high for me i have this high on my list too this is anime right like not just animation but like it should be an anime film i think that's what i heard but and i'm not even a big anime fan i still want to see it just because of the world so yeah and and i know uh sorry you might have said this i was i was looking up something about the movie as you were talking don't judge me too harshly uh (laughs) miranda Otto, right is reprising her role as aon and brian cox is in it did you mention the cast already i did not Okay, yeah, I mean, that that alone is, is interesting to me. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge, huge Middle Earth fan. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this. I have no idea really what to expect at all, but it's just nice to get something that's in this world that's not directly tied to the original trilogy, such as the Hobbit trilogy, which I felt like was hampered by trying Making it too a hard trilogy. to connect. 
Yeah, yeah, with like the <laughs> like whoop, and here's Frodo, you know, just as like yeah. a bookend, you know. It's like, eh. um, yeah, I'm really excited for this. Did you see Rings of Power? Out of curiosity, I, I haven't yet. I still have the intention of getting to it. I've just heard such mixed things, and I've had other priorities. I haven't gotten to it. Okay, I think it's interesting. I I have I also have mixed feelings with it, but um, overall, I think I liked it a little bit more than most people. Sure. Um, I will shout out. Uh, let's see. Deadpool three, I think should be, should be fun. I feel like that's one that's just like a, you know what you're going to get when you see it. Sure. Bet you're going to have a lot of laughs. It's going to have some fun action. You're going to, you're going to have Ryan Reynolds doing his Ryan Reynolds thing. I'm excited to see Hugh Jackman back. I obviously Logan was the perfect send off and this does, it's like a cash grab basically. And you can't really get around (laughs) that, but I mean, as far as cash grabs go, I think this is a pretty fun one. I feel like Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds, even in real life, have great chemistry. Uh, I think Sean Levy, people are really ragging on this choice to make him the director because of the kinds of movies he typically does. I'm going to I'm gonna stand in defense of Sean Levy and say I think that he's a good choice for this. I feel like the Deadpool movies are not high art. You know what they are already, <laughs> and you know the kinds of movies he makes. He's a perfect sure. fit for this movie. That's my opinion. I mean, I think like the Night at the Museum movies have actually a great sense of humor. Like, I think they're genuine funny. You know, like the, I when I was younger, they were those were those were movies I watched a bunch. But um, I don't know. I, I I'm looking forward to this movie. Yeah, I saw Night at the Museum in theaters when I was much older, and I hated it. And I've never seen it or any of the other films since. So, <laughs> but uh, I. This is going to be maybe one of the more controversial takes I've ever said on this podcast. I could care less about Deadpool 3. And that's purely a me thing. I just don't care for the Deadpool character. That has nothing to do with Ryan Reynolds or these movies. I actually find the first movie to be quite entertaining. I There's a few things about the second movie I enjoy too, although not nearly as much. But I I just don't like the character. So it's no, it's no one's fault other than it just doesn't jive with me. Uh any character that can break any rule that it wants at any point in time to make a joke or break the fourth wall or just because they think it's funny, uh, that destroys any sense of narrative purpose or stakes for me. So, and that's just the inherent construction of Deadpool as a character. So like, it's just not for me and that's fine. So like, I know a lot of people loved the Deadpool movies. They're some of the highest grossing R rated comedies, not even just comedies already films, I think ever like, uh, I will say that I am intrigued to see how this goes into the MCU because apparently this one will be a part of the MCU. So how that's going to happen. I want to know because the others weren't none of the X-Men movies are part of the MCU, especially if you are bringing back Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, which that does bother me. Logan was the perfect send off. I don't, this is a blatant cash grab, but like, I'm at least intrigued by this one, but uh, yeah, this didn't even make an honorable mention for me. But again, that's just because I don't care for Deadpool. Uh, I will mention, because I'm a huge fan of musicals, Wicked Part 1. This is part of the Oz franchise. Uh, There's been many Wizard of Oz movies or Great and Powerfuls or whatever throughout the year and uh, different interpretations and Uh, I love musicals. I always have. Um, And so therefore seeing wicked, which is one of the most beloved Broadway musicals of the last 20 years, probably finally coming to the silver screen. I feel like it's long overdue. If I'm being completely honest at this point, I'm shocked. They didn't make it by now. 
um, because the last big musical that had that much heat to it was Rent. And we got a Rent musical on film within like five years. But Wicked has been out for a decade plus, maybe 15 years at, at this point and nothing. So, uh, so this I am anticipating and I'm excited to see. Me too. Uh, I'm going to mention Joker fully. I do. If that's how you say it, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm excited for this movie, but I'm just, I'm just really, really, really curious because it is supposed to be a musical. You've got Lady Gaga's Harley Quinn coming in to join Joaquin, uh, reprising his Oscar winning role, Oscar winning performance. Sure. Um, yeah, I have no, you know, specific anticipations for this movie. I'm just very, very curious what they're going to do with it. I actually really like the swing. And if it were just a straight Joker sequel, I would not be excited at all. But it's because they're doing something weird with this that I'm like, yeah, take more risks. You know, like there's too many comic book movies already. It's like, stop playing it safe. Just do something ridiculous. Make it a musical for all I care. <laughs> yeah. So this Sorry. is on my least anticipated because oh, of boy. the first movie. So I completely agree with your sentiment. If you're going to do it, take take risks. Take a swing. Try something. The fact that this is a musical, the fact that in theory it sounds like they're trying to do an original story this time, which the last one, I don't care what you tell me, that was not an original story. That wasn't. That was just the King of Comedy and Taxi Driver mashed together. Uh, very blatantly, in fact. And it's because of that that I'm not a fan of Joker. I appreciate Joker as a film for its message in a contemporary setting about mental health, although it didn't even nail all those points, but I appreciate what it was trying for. And I really loved that central performance. I, I thought Joaquin was great. Uh, but the film as a whole, I have a lot of problems with. Um and because of that, I just, I can't get excited for this. Uh, I think it has potential. I'll give it that. Like I'm, I'm fine with them bringing in the Harley Quinn ca character. I think Lady Gaga is a, a good fit in this universe in context with Joaquin Phoenix, that it could work really well. If you want to make it weird and make it a musical have at it. Uh, but man, I just, I have such sour feelings towards the first film that I can't get excited on a greater scale. So, and I'm sure I'm in the minority there because a lot of people loved Joker. Although I, I have noticed I feel like in the past couple of years that there's been a turn on that. I feel like more and more people are coming out against Joker where that was not the case in 2019 uh, and 2020 uh, shortly after it released. Um, another one that I'm going to mention is a quiet place. Day one. This is purely based off of, and I've said it before in our horror episodes, I just like this world. I like this concept, uh, the idea of you can't speak. I think that just makes the world building so unique that they have to fight, quote unquote, fight people by not fighting them, by not making noise, by being as sneaky as possible. And obviously because of that, things go horribly wrong and blah, 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 blah. But I, I just, I find it so visceral, something about it. I just can't shake. I just think it's so interesting. And yes, this is a day one origin story, which we already even kind of saw a little bit of day one at the beginning of part two. I'm assuming this time we're also going to be following different characters. I, I don't even know. I haven't looked it up, uh, but I'm pretty sure it does. 
you know, you could make an argument, is this even necessary? Because we kind of got the experience of day one in the first 20 minutes of part two. But you know what? I don't care. I like this world and uh, I want to see more. So Quiet Place day one. Yeah, I mean, I'm most looking forward to this actually for Jaiman Hansu, who's one of the people who's coming back as he was in the second one. And I think nice. he's like one of the one of the best actors alive and never really so gets a chance to show it off. He is incredible. And I'm hoping he's like a lead too and not just in the movie. I know they're also bringing in Joseph Quinn from Stranger Things, who I thought was awesome. Uh, I am going to mention, let's see, Nosferatu is one I'll mention. Uh, sure. This is Robert Eggers, who has already filmed the movie. Uh, I guess they're just in post-production now. Um, also Anya Taylor-Joy, and I think Willem Dafoe it should be in this one as well. Um, I really, really, really love both the original Nosferatu and the Werner Herzog 70s Nosferatu. I think they're both incredible, and I mean, they're just like they're visually like some of the best looking movies ever made. And Robert Eggers is like one of the best visual directors we have working right now. So put the two together and you have made a movie uh, just for me. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> wait for this. I'm so excited. <laughs> this nice. is one of those ones that I know, like I, I have already predetermined that this is a 10 out of 10 for me. <laughs> I, you can't <laughs> convince me otherwise. I'm so, I'm so ready. Um, uh, maybe I'll just spoil. This was my number one on my list, actually, as far as most anticipated goes. So this will um, rank high. <laughs> yes, it will. It will be on the list for sure. Otherwise, you're dead oh, yeah. to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no pressure. No. It, it was an honorable mention to me just because there's other stuff that's like more personal to me that I like more. But like, I totally respect this movie and I am very much excited for it. So I have, have you, no problem with it being on the top 10. Have you seen the original Nosferatu? I have seen it, but I saw it so long ago that I don't remember much of it other than kind of the vibe it gave me. So I don't even log it on Letterboxd as seen. I just, I need to rewatch it um, as yeah. an adult. You- I, saw, I saw it like in like late middle school, early high school. Um, so you're talking 25 years ago for me. Like I just, I don't, it's not in the knowledge base. Are you a Robert Eggers fan? Yes. I, I actually, uh, I love The Witch. I actually think that's his best. I, I know I'm very much in the minority on that one. I know much most people love The Lighthouse. Not on this podcast. Yeah. Not on this podcast. Yeah, years. that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, The Vavitch is uh, an amazing film. Um, and I really love The Northman as well. I, I like the swing of The Lighthouse more than I like The Lighthouse, but I still enjoy The Lighthouse, if that makes sense. Um, another one that I'm going to l- mention, I am... We have talked before about Disney and Disney remakes on this podcast when we talked about The Little Mermaid in this summer, but there are some films, certain films that I think are so unique in the Disney catalog that I'm genuinely curious what they could do with it. And so one of mine is actually The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, I know that this movie is polarizing in and of itself, and I'm talking the original animated is polarizing. The sequel, I think they did a sequel like a year later, straight to straight to home video. That's a garbage. Uh, but the original Hunchback of Notre Dame is, I don't even think of it's debatable. I think it is the darkest film that Disney Animation Studios has ever made. And I find that fascinating. Uh, it's views on established religion and Catholicism of rep- repressed sexuality and sexual advances uh, in a time of unbalanced power, not just in a religious aspect, but, uh, even more heightened patriarchy than we have today. Um, so much of that movie is uncomfortable, 
but in a way that I find riveting. And that's an, a, an animated movie from the nineties, you know? So I want to see what they can do with this. I don't even know if this is supposed to be a musical, if they're taking the songs out or whatever. I hope they don't. Cause I actually really like some of those songs. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just want to see, uh, I hope they don't fuck it up. They probably will. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Hunchback of Notre Dame, the live action Disney remake. So this, I am sorry to say is actually on my least anticipated list. So we'll get to that in a little bit. So I'll withhold my thoughts earlier. So that's fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is that's going to be fun when we make that list. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the number one is obvious. It has been obvious since the start of this podcast. It's Kung Fu Panda four guys. It is uh, is coming. I am ready. I like the Kung Fu Panda movies. I still actually haven't seen the third one, but in the past month or two, I watched, I rewatched the first and second one after having not seen them for many years. And they both made me cry <laughs> at multiple <laughs> points. <laughs> I think they're so good. And I'm going to watch the third. I've been like spacing them out. You know, it's like a, yeah. it's like you want to savor a good meal. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? It's Kung Fu Panda. Come on. Uh, we have and- to savor everything that we do with Jack Black. The man is a national treasure. He should be revered. Yes. And uh, I just want all of us in the world. Can we just appreciate Jack Black as the greatness that he is? And uh, yeah, for that reason alone, I, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah, but I think um, I think the animation in these movies is very, very strongly underrated because they're doing literal martial arts. And it's like, it's not just like you pop it in a computer. No, they're choreographed. Like they have actual choreographers who, you know, plan these fight sequences in these movies and to do it with animals who are like wildly different, you know, a snake, a mantis, a tiger, you know, a crane, it's a panda. (laughs) I mean, like, it's absolutely incredible, very intricate. The second one in particular does a lot of stuff with the animation. They use like this ancient Chinese like shadow puppetry technique for the prologue that they they filmed uh the music is one of the best uh so John Powell is like the greatest animated composer for me at least I know Michael Giacchino however you say his last name is up there too but John Powell is it for me the How to Train Your Dragon score I think is like for me like the best scores of all time it goes like Lord of the Rings and then How to Train Your Dragon it's it's I I cry <laughs> listening to it. I think the Shrek score is incredible. The Kung Fu Panda score that he does with Hans Zimmer, incredible. And so I'm just excited to hear that for nothing else. So spoilers, this was very high on my list, kind of embarrassingly high, but I'm really, really excited for this. Nice. Um, I'm going to do one that I don't even know if this is the official title because I've heard different things. Uh, as of right now, this is listed as the title and that's Alien Romulus. Um I don't even know where this fits in the timeline. I'm going to be honest. I don't even know much about the movie. I just know that it's alien. And I'm such a fan of the alien franchise that even when they make bad alien movies, I still find myself at least entertained and having a decent time. Um, And I don't think it can get much worse than like resurrection. So (laughs) I'm, I'm, you know, we've gotten Prometheus. We've gotten covenant in recent years. I say recent, it's been several years even since Covenant. Uh, but if they're willing to make another Alien movie, I'm going to be there to see it. So that's a, a quick one I wanted to mention. Yeah, I had that on my list too. And it's directed by, I'm going to say his name wrong, Fede Alvarez, who did the Evil Dead remake and who did yep. Don't Breathe, both of which I like quite a bit. Uh, I think he's actually a perfect choice for this sure. for Alien. I think he'll do some cool stuff with it. I mean, just based on like the tension he has in Don't Breathe and the like, gnarly gore stuff in evil dead i think he'll be great mm-hmm. all oh, right and that means it's for me to to list yeah. another i think do, i've do got all talk. my 
I think I've got all my top 10. Are you, is your top 10 done as well? No, I actually have one more in my top 10. Can I make a guess what it is? You can. Is it Maxine? It is not. No. That is an honorable mention. So talk about Maxine. Oh, okay. This probably would be my number 11 because, I mean, we've already talked about X and Pearl earlier this episode, but um, I really don't know what to expect from this, which is kind of fun. But I think because I have no idea what to expect from it, it's hard for me to anticipate it because I don't even know what it is I'm anticipating exactly. But uh, I mean, I'm sure it'll be good. Yeah, that's actually why it's an honorable mention for me is because as much as I loved X and Pearl, the character that made X and Pearl interesting was Pearl. And that farm, which in and of itself was a character, as we discussed in our best settings episode of horror stuffs. Um, Whereas this is not at the farm. This is in Los Angeles and Pearl is not around because she's dead. So, uh, you know, the the Maxine character, unless she's now going to lose her mind and go crazy, which I'd be totally down for. And that's completely speculative because I don't know much about it. Uh, I am excited for it because I like the first two, but yeah, I don't know enough about it. So that's why I didn't make my top 10. What did make my top 10 is my last one. And this is my highest MCU ranking film today that we'll talk about. And that's Thunderbolts. Uh, So Thunderbolts is a cabal of villains. Um, The easiest way to consider it in your brain is it's like the suicide squad of Marvel. Now that's not a one-to-one comparison. The, those groups have completely different roles and it's a slightly different context, but it's still the same kind of idea of like, Hey, the government is putting a squad of bad guys together. Uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus, who's been lingering around MCU films since phase four began with her purple hair. Um, is finally going to do something and uh, she's putting a team together. And although the team will be vastly different than it was in the comics, because a lot of the characters from the comics aren't even introduced yet in the films, if they'll ever be, you know, um, I'm at least excited for this because I, I just, I feel like they have the chance to do something unique, which is something if we're being completely honest, we haven't gotten from the MCU in a while, at least from my perspective, but yeah, this is going to have uh, Florence Pugh as I don't even know if her character has a, a code name yet, or she's just Yelena, but like her black widow character, the winter soldier, uh, Wyatt Russell from uh, the captain America and Falcon show as us agent uh, Taskmaster Olga Karolinko, red guardian, David Harbar, uh, And Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, like, that sounds interesting to me. Those are all characters that could have really fascinating character dynamics and interactions between them. So, for that reason, and because I'm not a person who actually believes in comic book fatigue, I think we've just had bad comic book movies. I think we all still inherently love these characters. And that's kind of why it pisses us off so much is because we want to keep liking these movies, but they've been putting out bad stuff lately. And, uh, this is my hope that they'll make something good because they have a real chance to, because this is something different. So Thunderbolts is my last one in my top 10. So I think at this point, uh, we're just down to honorable mentions then, right? Yes. What'd you got? Okay. Uh, I also had wicked part one, which you already mentioned in there. I have Mufasa, the lion King, not because I liked the lion King remake. In fact, I hated it. I hated (laughs) it too. uh, just because it is directed by Barry Jenkins, who did Moonlight and Beale Street. Is it really? 
I'm pretty sure. I didn't look, look this up to confirm before we started recording. Look it up as I'm talking. I um, will do the thing. Which is a bonkers pairing. I don't know why he's doing this. Probably money. Um, Money's probably a good reason. And it is. Yeah, it's Barry Jenkins. Yep. So for that, for that alone, um, and literally alone, no other reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hated otherwise. the 2019 remake and the fact that this is a prequel to it. I just... I, I don't care. I really don't. And I, I hate to say that, um, but I will concede that Barry Jenkins makes it more interesting, uh, but I'm still not excited for this. Uh, do you have any others that you wanted to throw out? Yeah. Craven the Hunter. I don't know that it'll be good sure. necessarily, but you know, best case scenario, it's like schlocky fun. And I actually really yeah. like Aaron Taylor Johnson. So I do too. I, I kind of have the same opinion of it. Like I, I don't think it's going to be good, but I might have a, a good time with it. Yeah, and then my last one is, uh, I assume you don't say the X out loud in this title, but Godzilla Kong, the new empire. Yeah. Um, I think Adam Wingard's coming back. I thought Godzilla versus Kong was actually really fun, um, mainly just, just because do. it actually delivers on the action that you want to see. And yeah, there's like character nonsense, but it's like the action is actually really, really fun in that. It's just like a, two big giant things smashing each other into buildings and on the water and onto <laughs> boats. It's like, it's like, it's like you get exactly what was advertised. I don't know how you could complain. It like kind of bewilders me that people don't love that movie as much as I do. Yeah, I had a blast with that movie. Uh, again, another one of those. I don't think it's a good movie, but that 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 delivered on its bill. Like <laughs> exactly as advertised. You wanted Kong and Godzilla to beat the shit out of each other. Well, guess what? They beat the shit out of each other. And then Cyborg uh, uh, Godzilla shows up too. So Mecha Godzilla. Mecha, Mecha Godzilla. So, and then, yeah, you get the inevitable team up and I guess that's a little cheesy, but who cares? They're still beating each other up and it's a monster verse movie. What did you expect? <laughs> um, and a, a couple others that I still have as uh, most anticipated, but these are honorable mentions. Uh, Ballerina, the spinoff in the John Wick universe. I just, I like the John Wick movies. I the idea of spinning off in that movie, especially because I don't know how many more of these Keanu wants to do, even though he's an angel, the man can do as many or as few as he wants to do. Let him do what he wants. Cause he's one of, he's like Jack black to me. These are some of the, like the hollowed names we don't fuck with in Hollywood. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, Ana de Armas is quickly become one of my favorites. I think she's an incredible talent and, uh, I'm excited to see what she can do in this. Um, I also have another MCU that's Captain America, Brave New World. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Captain America and the, uh, and the Falcon or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't care for that show. I thought it was kind of a malaise and it struggled in a lot of ways. But now that that weird, awkward development is over and we're actually going to see Falcon as Cap now, uh, I want to see where they take it. So. It's not nearly as high as it would have been, you know, pre-Endgame when the MCU was really cooking. If you had, you know, asked me back then, this would have been probably like top five, maybe top three. But uh, nowadays, this is just an honorable mention. And then uh, another one, and this is strictly a Heath pick, <laughs> uh, the Dirty Dancing sequel. So <laughs> I don't even really know if this is going to come out in 2024, uh, but everything I've said or seen says it's supposed to. But I'm really nervous about that, seeing as it's just less listed and development still, and it doesn't even have a title. It's just the Dirty Dancing sequel. But it has Jennifer Grey. I am a huge fan of the original film. I genuinely think it's a great 
great work of art. And I never saw Havana Nights, the sequel to that. I don't really care to, if I'm being completely honest. And I never even saw the remake. Uh, but I love the original. And if they're going to make a legacy sequel to the original film with Jennifer Grey, yes, I am interested. So uh, that's the last one I wanted to mention. All right. Uh, I'm going to do this in the proper order this time. Let's do special shout outs before we get to our top 10, because I totally didn't screw that up earlier when doing the 2022 review. Uh, Foster, what are some special shout outs, non-franchise films that you just want to quickly run through and be like, yep, I'm on the hype train for this in 2024. What you got? This is another one that was supposed to already be coming out in the in the fall. Maybe it would have already been out by now, but Challengers, the new Luca Guadagnino movie, who mm-hmm. I think he's a great director. Um, I, I think this trailer looks kind of awesome. It's with Zendaya <laughs> and uh, Mike Feist. And, oh, I love Mike Feist. Me, who's the third guy? Who's the third guy? Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I'll oh, my gosh. Up. I know who it is, too, and I can't picture his face, but I know it's someone I know. Uh, uh, oh, you're uh, stalling, you're stalling, you're stalling. Help. Help. It's Help. Josh O'Connor. Josh O'Connor. Of course. Okay. I love Josh O'Connor because he was, um, he's in the crown and it gives like yeah. a ridiculous performance. Like he's so, 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 so good in that. Um, okay. Uh, he's also in Emma, which is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beetlejuice two, I think, uh, is, which is another one that I mean, by all accounts is a franchise. It's just not a film franchise yeah. uh, because it has like the TV show and everything. Um, and musical I do now. not. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, the musical too. <laughs> I do not think this movie will be good. That's my prediction, just based on oh, Tim Burton's recent track record. I don't think it's going to be good at all, which is why it's yeah. not on my list. <laughs> but I'm going to see it. <laughs> so yeah. that's the best I can do. Smile 2, which again, seems like it's okay. on the road to becoming a franchise. Yep. Gladiator 2, again, weirdly yeah. on the road to becoming a franchise. <laughs> uh, I, Mickey 17, Bong Joon-ho's new movie is going to yep. be incredible, I'm sure, because everything he makes is incredible. Um, uh, very similarly, uh, high caliber movie, the beekeeper with Jason Statham looks like <laughs> the <laughs> highest like, of caliber. I, I exactly. mean, that's, that's a uh, best fr- picture front runner. I think I, from I mean, every that's yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, David Ayer's directing it. It should be like some stupid fun. I'm ready for it. And then the last one I have on my list is there's a formula one racing movie coming out with Brad Pitt directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who just did Top oh, cool. Gun Maverick. And that seems like a cool mashup. And so I didn't even hear to. about that one, but that actually does sound interesting uh, to rattle mine off real quick. Um, some of these are definitely going to overlap. I had drive away dolls, the new Ethan Cohen movie. I actually think that looks really, really interesting. I love the trailer for that. I was hoping we'd get that this year, but uh, that will come next year. Uh, again, Mickey 17, the Bong Joon-ho, like you said, that's on my list. Gladiator 2. The original Gladiator is one of my favorites. Frankly, I'm sad that we're getting a sequel. I, I think it was perfect just as it is. It has one of the greatest endings of any film in, in my estimation. And uh, I kind of wanted to just leave it. But at the same time, I love the original one so much that if you are going to give me more Gladiator, yes, I'm there. Um, uh, I want to see Argyle really bad. <laughs> I think Argyle just looks fun. It, it's got the goofiness of Kingsman. Um, and I'm just down for that kind of stupidity right now. And uh, Twisters, the original yeah. Twister from the 90s is is a hoot in and of itself. So if you're going to give me more of that, uh, I don't even think anyone's coming back from the original film, but I don't care, you know? So, uh, especially cause actually a couple of the big names have passed away since then, which is really sad now that I'm thinking about it. But, uh, but yeah, twisters. All right. From the director of Minari, by the way, <laughs> 
I love Minari. Me too, I'm but it's sure, just a weird pairing. I'm sure they're going to bring that high quality emotional resonance to Twisters, and it'll be very much in the same vein. Let's jump into our actual top 10 now, now that we've done the special mission. So, as I've always said, we have the pieces to the puzzle. Let's put them together. We are going to see, uh, based off of what we listed earlier, uh, what's in contention. We're going to collaborate. We're going to work together, debate, blah, blah, blah. Let's get to it. <laughs> I think the easy ones to advance, Dune Part 2, Furiosa, and Mission Impossible. Should all three go right ahead? Yep, of course. Okay. What else do we got? Well, I mean, after after Kung Fu Panda 4, you mean? We can tentatively put Kung Fu Panda 4 <laughs> ahead. Yes, just for you. Oh my gosh, the silence <laughs> was deafening. Uh, uh, Kingdom did... of the Planet of the Apes? Yeah, that was I was just about to say. Yep. War of the Rohirrim? Yep. All right. Mm, Nosferatu, just because it's my number one, is making yeah, the list. I'm good with that. Oh, Alien Romulus? Okay, that was my number nine. It barely made it, but yes, okay. let's do that. Uh, could I get you for Wicked Part 1? That was that was like my uh, number five. Tentatively, we can put it up there. All right. The other ones that I had in my top ten were A Quiet Place Day One, uh, uh, Thunderbolts, and Hunchback. But I know that's off the table for you. So essentially, yeah. A Quiet Place Day One and Thunderbolts. Um, tentatively, put A Quiet Place up there. It did not make my top ten, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, what about I'm guessing. I'm. So Joker's not happening because that's on your least anticipated. No. Deadpool, Joker's not happening. No. Deadpool, is that not happening? Uh, <clears throat> okay, that's a no. <laughs> I, I would like to say no. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe, how many do we have so far? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That was me counting to ten on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get much better in terms of quality entertainment. I mean, do you want that to just be our 10? I mean, I'm sure there's stuff you would rather have higher than like Kung Fu Panda 4. Like, do you want to tentatively put anything I mean, else up there just to there, see? There's stuff I'd rather have, but I know you'd rather have Joker and Deadpool. So, you know, like I I think we're actually pretty even. Okay. You know, because like I want mine, mine that are missing are Hunchback and Thunderbolts, you know. Yeah. So like I think I think we're good with this. Okay. So then uh, what would be at the bottom for you? Kung Fu Panda 4. <laughs> okay, then if you make that number 10, number 9 is going to be Wicked Part 1. Yeah, I'm good with that. We can do that. Okay. Wicked Part 1 is 9. Kung Fu Panda Part 4 is 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is not the right one. Let me adjust I would that. make A Quiet Place probably Part 8 for me. Or sorry, number 8 for me. <laughs> quiet Place Part 8. Uh, yes. coming. And Faster 23, Part 7. Yep, we, we'll get there. We'll get there. Actually, probably before that. Jesus. All right. Uh, alien next at number seven. Yeah, I'm actually good with that. I would even put a quiet place above alien because I like it more these days, but I'm, yeah, I'm fine with that arrangement. Um, this is where based off of what's left, I would have the Lord of the Rings. Sure. Yep, that's good with me. Six. All right, six. And then I'm putting Nosferatu. Okay. I know that you Are wanted as number one, though, so. The next one that I would put would either be Mission Impossible or Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I assume you have those way higher, though. 
I had Mission Impossible 3. I actually have Kingdom at 7, but I just thought you had it really high based off of how you were talking about it. So I could do Kingdom next if you want to okay. keep Okay, I, I actually, I also had Kingdom at 7. Yeah, let's um, do Kingdom then. That sounds so like... let's do Kingdom. And then, how high did you have Furiosa? 2. Okay, uh, I think me too as well. I think I had that at... Oh, no, I had it at number 3. Okay, we can do Nosferatu then at number 4. Okay. And then Mission Impossible at number 3. The only reason I wouldn't put Mission Impossible higher is just because I kind of feel like I know what to expect from it already. It's going to yeah, be no, like Mission like Impossible Fallout. Was, was three for me. Uh, my yeah. one and two is Dune and Furiosa, and that wasn't even close. It's like Dune, it's, yeah, Furiosa, it a thousand feet of shit, and then Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah. What's the Moneyball quote? Something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, do we want Dune or Furiosa higher? Dune. Okay. Dune. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. All right, so there it is. Let's read it back. We've got our definitive top 10 most anticipated films for 2024 for Franchise Paradiso. Number 10, Kung Fu Panda 4. Number 9, Wicked Part 1. Number 8, A Quiet Place Day 1. Number 7, Alien Romulus. Number 6, The Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim. Number five, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Number four, Nosferatu. Number three, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part Two. Number two, Furiosa. And number one, Dune Part Two. So now we have one more special treat. We are going to do one more ranking. It's not going to take nearly as long. We are going to do at least anticipated. Um, things that we are not excited about whatsoever which is also kind of the fun when talking about franchises is ragging on some of the ones you're not a fan of. So we're going to do that real quick. Um, and we're only going to do top three because while we want to hate on some things playfully, uh, we're not looking to dog on a whole bunch of people's work because this is still art and people still really do care about these franchises, even if we don't. And uh, we want to save time. So we're going to do a top three. Uh, Let's just jump into it and start naming some of the ones uh, that we wanted. I will say my number one with a bullet is Venom 3. I don't care for the Sony Spider-Verse. The MCU is fine, but literally there's not been a single movie in the Sony Spider-Verse that I've enjoyed so far. Um, and I'm not talking like the animated Spider-Verse movies. I'm talking the Venom, Venom Let There Be Carnage, Morbius movies. That's oh, you don't like those? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really like those. And uh, <laughs> this looks like something I'm also going to hate. So uh, Venom number th three. God, I can't believe they're milking this so much. I mean, I can, but I hate it. Uh, that's up there for me. What did you have, Foster? What is, what uh, that was my number two. I have a feeling that's what we're going to probably jointly pick as our, as our least anticipated of the year. I'm fine um, with that prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the I think the first two movies are kind of awful, and yep. I feel like we're being Thank gaslit you. into we're being gaslit into believing that they're like, oh no, but they're just dumb fun. They're really not. No, they're not. They're really <laughs> they're bad movies. The, the action is not good. The acting is not good. You waste like five Oscar winners or however many they have yeah. in there in that cast. The CGI is terrible. I described Let There Be Carnage to someone as it's a black noodle versus a red noodle, and they just flop against each other, and that's literally the climax of the film it's just it's horrible there's this moment in the first movie that to me just represents what i hate about these two which is there's uh like a swat team or something that's about to come take venom out and oh. we're ready like for venom to just you know pounce on them 
and they dropped like the tear gas and then the whole room just fills with smoke and you can barely even see the fight scene that's going to happen i would say the only thing i like about that movie is i think ludwig Göransson's score is actually pretty cool and i have that in my in my playlist you know my Mm -hmm. mega score playlist there's some cool tracks in there but that's it i can't think of anything else i really like about those movies the only thing i could say that i like is tom hardy's trying He's genuinely trying to do something. Now, I don't care for the the characterization that he went with, but at least he's clearly having fun and he's trying. But yeah, no, I think those movies are terrible. Well, uh, nominate another movie. What do you got? Uh, Garfield, I have up there. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't even realize. Am, am I right? Is Chris Pratt voicing Garfield? Yes, he is voicing Garfield after he I just mean, voiced Mar- Mario. I mean, <laughs> what are we doing? Like, <laughs> do, do I need to say anything more? <laughs> no. Honestly, I, I that's actually love Chris Pratt, but this is ridiculous. No, it's so stupid. <laughs> uh, I'm going to nominate another one, and that's Transformers 1. Um, okay. This is a prequel <laughs> set on their home planet. And it's about them having the war between the Autobots and Decepticons before they came to Earth. And, I mean, in a sense, that's cool. But, in a sense, also not really. Because the whole point and what makes Transformers <laughs> interesting is the interactions with human beings. And the, the understanding of humanity that they either have or don't have as Autobots and Decepticons. And the accepting of a different species that's a blatant and direct parallel and metaphor for like accepting aliens or immigrants, however you want to phrase it, but it's, it's immigrants. It's they're human beings. They're not aliens. Um, but just people from other countries into your world or into your country. And that's what makes the transformers movies interesting and fascinating. Now, most of the live action transformers movies we've gotten so far have really failed at even that. I would say only Bumblebee is a really good movie. And I enjoy the original transformers, uh, although that has schlockiness to it, but every other Transformers movie that's literally ever been made, I either don't like to outright viscerally hate, and I see no reason to anticipate liking this one, especially because it's taking us away from Earth and the the actual human connection that makes these characters fascinating. So, I I could care less for Transformers one. I hate that I'm going to be seeing this movie next year. <laughs> No, I understand. That's how I feel about about all the franchises that I've stuck stuck around with till the end. I've yep. only seen like four of these, and yeah, I mean, the only one that I can say I really liked is Bumblebee. Um, I'm going to do a quick detour because as I'm looking through this list of movies that's coming out, there's one that I am actually looking forward to that wasn't mentioned, and I'm thinking I wish we had mentioned this. This is the <laughs> Mean Girls musical, which I didn't even realize was happening. But I, I, I just was like kicking myself that I forgot to mention this. The music for the Broadway show is actually way better than it has any right to be, I think. And I think when this movie comes out, assuming they do it, you know, well enough it's, and it's not terrible, I think people are going to be kind of blown away by how fun it is. Um, so that was just one I wanted to mention. Anyways. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually going to agree with you real quick because I yeah. completely forgot that they, they did make a Mean Girls too, so that it is a franchise now by our standards. And uh, yeah. I don't know if it would have made my top 10, but at least as an honorable mention, Mean Girls, the musical. Yep. All right. Keep going. Anyways, 
back to our regularly scheduled programming, I am yes. going to now break out the the guns and knives and say Hunchback of Notre Dame <laughs> is my number one least anticipated oh of the year. I'm sorry to say. Uh, okay. Here's why. Um, a couple reasons. So yeah, it's like a, a reimagining of the Disney one, but this story has been around forever and there are a lot of other good adaptations. I just watched the like original 20s Lon Chaney version a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. It's really good and he's incredible you know yada yada but like i'm just thinking this is a very sensitive story it is very deep there's a lot going on and i do not want to see like a disneyfied version of this story you know i and maybe the fact that it's a musical will make it a little bit less painful but i am just not interested to see how disney does uh the hunchback you know i Mm -hmm. uh i do not trust them to handle that with care i'll just say and yeah i I get it just based on the live action remakes, I can like think of very few of those that I even remotely enjoyed of the ones I've seen. So I don't, I don't really trust them with this at all. I'm curious. Sure. But uh, I don't know. I'm just like anticipating the worst. Yeah. I, I totally respect that to be fair. Again, I even said when I was talking about how I'm excited about it, it's a, it's a nervous excited, you know, like they could easily fuck this up and the track record suggests that they will, you know, so that makes me nervous, but if they can maintain the darkness of the animated film, I think they have a shot, but they need to maintain that. They need to not shy away from it. They need to not be like, Oh, it's the 2020s now. And we need to, you know, hide things like no audiences can take it. You did it in the nineties, do it again now. And then it has a chance. But if they don't do that, I totally see where you're coming from that. You'd just be like, Oh yeah, no, fuck this. This looks stupid. And just, and uh, I think disrespectful. Yeah, exactly. I think at one point in time, maybe he still is Quasimodo. Do you know who is supposed to play Quasimodo? No, I didn't. Josh see the Gad. Oh, that would be terrible. Which is like that to me suggests the tone that they're going for with this movie. I mean, oh, like, could you even really think of bad. someone who would be good at that role? You know, like today, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't even know the, but I mean, I, I'm not a Josh Gad hater. Like some are, I don't think he's nearly as bad as a lot of people make him out to be. But with that said, that doesn't mean that he should not have been embodied as like the savior of Disney that he has been Mm -hmm. is, is the way I would put it. Like where Disney is now putting him in so many of their properties to try to bring, you know, jokes and levity into things. And I'm like, you know, he can do like dramatic work too. He doesn't always have to be the class clown, but that's a separate conversation. But yeah, if, if that is the kind of casting that they were going for, then that does make me even more nervous. Yeah, it, this is possible. I'm just Googling it now. It might not be completely real, but Josh Gad shared the poster like on his social medias and stuff. And I think was maybe possibly set to be a producer in some capacity. I don't, I have no idea what's Again, going he on. He has the dramatic capability of doing an honest genuine authentic performance in that character i think he could do it yeah and i think he even has the physicality in some of his performances that i've seen in the past that he could do it but if disney is the one hiring him to do it that doesn't lead yeah. me to believe yeah and it's uh, like we already have live action hunchback of notre dame's watch one of those instead you know i know yeah. not with the musical but it's like okay yeah. i'll shut up about it now go ahead <laughs> Well, I'm going to dig into Joker then. Um, so uh, kind of what I said earlier, I just, I, I have no faith that this will be done well and tastefully that it will be done 
with like any kind of nuance that I'm, I'm even scared as to, you know, they say they're going to try to do an original story. Well, they also claimed that the first one was an original story and it wasn't remotely an original story. And the amount at which the first film was completely devoid of any amount of actual creativity. And it really felt like they just slapped the Joker name and the Batman property on it just to bring in comic book fans without actually having anything to do with the Joker. Really, if you take off the clown makeup and that, that outfit and don't call him Joker, nothing about that is about the Joker, like at all, or that comic book, the DC world. And I say that as a big comic book DC super fan. Um, it just all feels so inauthentic to me. It feels like a cash grab. It always has. And I don't trust that a sequel is going to be any better when now you are making it a musical. And as much as I love musicals, I don't think that the nuance needed to make a musical, a serious dramatic musical is going to be achieved with the talent that's behind this. And and I really hate to point a finger. I can't believe he was nominated for best director, but like Todd Phillips is not a good director. He's just, he's not, I, I don't, I have no other way to say it. Like he makes great comedies. He's made me laugh a lot through the years. I love old school. I loved the hangover. I even loved road trip, you know, like fine, but like he doesn't have the awareness to really bring forward a story of mental health and societal instability and social change because of an eat the rich mentality. That's not happening. Especially if you want to, I'm pretty sure the first one was a period piece. It was supposed to be set in the early nineties. So is this also going to be there? And in which case are we going, you know, is this going to take into account like the crime bill of Bill Clinton, or are they going to start doing the fallout of Reaganomics, which would all be things that you would think would be relevant to the film, given the original film. But I just, I don't have faith. There's way too much that this movie's trying to do. And by making it a musical and with the talent that they have there that are leading this, I'm not talking the talent in terms of walking Phoenix, by the way, or Lady Gaga or Zazie beats or Catherine Keener, Brendan Gleeson. These are all awesome talented amazing people but this production scares the shit out of me i have no other way to say it so uh this definitely was in my top three of least anticipated that was my top three as well i've i've exhausted my my three did you have any honorable mentions not really just because most of the other ones that i would say are are least anticipated um like like Bad Boys 4, for instance. I've just never seen a Bad Boys movie, so I'm technically not anticipating it, but I'm not not anticipating it either. So I don't know. I really couldn't add anything Uh, else to this list. I'll do mine real quick then. I had Deadpool 3, but again, as I prefaced earlier, that has nothing to do with the actual movie. I just don't like the character. Kind of like you with like Bad Boys 4. You're just not interested because you haven't like I'm not interested in the character, so I'm not interested in the movie. Um Mm I would say going back on our Disney remake hatred, uh, I'm not looking forward to Snow White at all. Um, I, I, I just, again, I don't have faith. Um, although 
Rachel Ziegler as a real talent. I'm glad we found her. And I think she could do a good job as Snow White. Uh, Gal Gadot as the evil queen is <laughs> absolutely ridiculous to me. Um, and I just have no faith in that. And then the last one, again, going back to the Sony Spider-Verse, uh, Madame Web. I don't think this looks any good either. I'm not and excited about this whatsoever. In fact, the only Sony Spider-Verse movie I've even relatively been interested in and think has a chance is what you mentioned earlier, which was Craven the Hunter. I think Aaron Taylor Johnson is interesting, and I think that could be an interesting film based off of the trailer that we already got, although I don't I don't even know how well that's going to succeed. But still, like I'm, I'm just... Madam Web is not something I'm looking forward to whatsoever. And it's because of the Sony Spider-Verse. It's because of that character and how they're trying to just milk the property. Again, I'm not even saying this is a slight to the people involved in the project. You know, Dakota Johnson, I'm completely indifferent to. I actually really like Sydney Sweeney and Emma Roberts. I like Adam Scott. So, like, it's nothing against them. It's just, it's the project itself. So, um. Let's go ahead and pick our top three. I think it sounds pretty easily that Venom 3 is going to advance for us. Yeah, definitely. Um, Would we say Garfield would advance then? Yes, that was one of my top three as well. Okay. I'm thinking that the other one, because I would also say I'm not looking forward to it, is Transformers 1. I think that's the only other one on here that probably we would both agree with. Yeah, I would agree as well. Uh, So Transformers 1. Uh... I hate Transformers more than Garfield. I I can at least tolerate (laughs) Garfield as like an attempt at family entertainment, like stupid jokes that are meant to make kids happy. Not that that makes for a really good quality of film, but I will be able to suffer through that more than I will be able to suffer through Transformers one. So I'd rather have Garfield. Yeah. And I'm I'm fine with Garfield in general. It's just this Garfield. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the, I, I loved the Garfield strip as a kid, like the comics. So like, the character itself I have no problem with. So I think we're down with, do we want to say, and I'll count it down instead of, uh, I'll, I'll go from one to three instead of our traditional 10 to one. Uh, what do we want to say? Venom then is the yep. one we hate the most. Yep. So our least anticipated films, franchise Paradiso's definitive list, the three films that we hate ourselves that we're going to go see them, <laughs> but cause we really don't want to, but, Damn it, we're going to do it anyway because we're completionists and we do this to ourselves. Number one, we don't want to see Venom 3. Number two, we don't want to see Transformers 1. And number three, we don't want to see Garfield. So that's the list. Those are all the lists today. Our combined 2022 year in review and our 2024 preview of our most anticipated and least anticipated films. There it is, Foster. We did it. I love I, I just love the absurdity of two grown men getting angry about how they don't want to see Garfield. <laughs> I mean, it's true though. I don't. <laughs> I know, but it's just funny. <laughs> Making me laugh. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much to all our listeners for tolerating our insufferable phantom. It was quite insufferable today. We love each and every one of you and I uh, couldn't be more grateful that you took the time out of your day to listen to our incoherent ramblings. If you want to positively rate and review our podcast on Spotify or Apple podcasts and, or share it with friends we would be ever so appreciative. So please do that. We would thank you so much if we could give you hugs in real life and all that 
jazz. But uh, for now, it's time to say goodbye, and we'll see you next week on another regular episode of our horror season. Bye. Bye.